0: Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of...
1: I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo.
0: I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. Who's that lurking in the basement? Akami, Akami. Who's that pumping your gas for free? Akami, Akami. Who's that talking about invasion of the body snatchers? It's me, and Steven Marigo, and Matthew, on Zack on Film.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Zach riffing a little uh, improvisational jazz there. Yeah, yeah, I thought of that was when I was watching it the film. Is where we're supposed Jillian to like, snap it was our fingers? Yeah, no, it was
0: the, uh, yeah, it was the SNL cheer there. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 Spartan, Show? Yeah, yeah, Spartan cheer.
2: So, uh, first of all, tell us what Invasion of the Body Snatchers is about.
0: Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. A town, I'm guessing in California. Yes. I figured. California. Um, Doctor. We open the film. Doctor's going crazy mad. Needs to be detained. Starts telling the story of a nice little town where weird things start happening. People start reporting that their family members are acting themselves all across the town. And then suddenly, everyone's fine. Come to find out... Seeds are growing, people, and they're taking over people's minds. And this alien race is trying to take over the world, kinda, and make people more uh, peaceful and not so emotional. And um,
3: yeah,
2: that's that's
0: pretty much the, end of the story. And everyone gets taken over, besides this
2: done doctor, and then he runs away. Yeah, but it kind of has in this in this movie that we've seen, this 1956 version. Yeah. Um, it has a happy ending because just as they're about ready to commit him to the insanity yeah. award, uh, they come in with this big uh, traffic accident. The doctor and the psychiatrist are there like, what happened? Oh, there's a big overturned truck on the highway. And the strangest thing, these big pods were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. seen anything like it before. And they're like, yeah. quick, call the government. we got to get call people them.
0: in. Yeah. And well, it so it kind of, ends
2: with a happy ending. Yeah, we like can get
0: that. to that later, which I thought. Eh. So, I, actually, better.
3: I have a question about that now. OK, go ahead. I don't remember that. Well, no, I've that seen was, this movie before. I, 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 I swear I've, I've seen this movie without that, that, that preface and that closing bit.
2: In the original in the original release, uh, or when they were, were test screening stuff, audiences didn't get what the movie was about. They were laughing at inappropriate times. <laughs> and so Don Siegel and Warner Brothers thought it'd be a good idea to put these book in pieces mm-hmm. um, where um, McCarthy – what's his name? McCarthy? Is that his name? Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy yeah. is retelling the story of the events of what happened. And then um, – so, yeah, I always remember for me and maybe because it is so ingrained in our memories from a, from a young age of him mm-hmm. running down the street going, they're here. They're, they're
3: here. everywhere. And You're gonna- looking into the camera and going, yeah. you could be. Next! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but that ended up playing a, a lot better for audiences. And the interesting thing is we've talked about narration before as a mm-hmm. cheap way out to explain things to your audience about what's True. going on. And we've even talked about it in great movies like Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting to see it pop up, pop up here uh, time and time again. Yeah, it's it's really it's especially weird in this film. Too, yeah, it's weird, too, because I was watching a um A Raymond Chandler movie from like 1975, something like this, Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And let's use this voiceover as well. But it's still very well done. I think this movie is very well done, too. But those bookended pieces just seem somewhat forced.
0: Yeah. that I felt like the beginning, and I really was kind of disappointed in the ending, too. Um, It felt strange because the narration still popped up throughout mm -hmm, the film in little places. mm -hmm. Uh And the beginning gives away... That he's going to get away, the, the girl's going to become whatever, she's not with him anymore, so once you figure out she's part of the story and with him, she's not going to make it.
2: Right. Um, that but, That is the yeah, problem with yeah. a flashback story, right? Yeah. There is very little fear for your hero, and that and can which, be a big problem. Yeah.
3: When you get this ending, this bookend, it really feels like – and. Uh, don't get me wrong this is a a long-term fan of the twilight zone talking it feels like their ending was too dark so they wanted to give us all a little boost of call in the fbi before we fade to black but it actually makes it more frustrating to me than having that ambiguous ending of what's going to happen you know the seed pods are out there Mm -hmm. now it's a big ambiguous ending of the seed pods are out there and the government's going to come in and that's kind of another movie that I might actually wish they'd shown me some uh, on.
2: Nope. that movie ends like uh, Tommyknockers: Tommy knockers. The government comes in, burns everything <laughs> to the ground and the end right. <laughs> Stephen King wraps but it up in five paragraphs. Interestingly, it would be like though,
3: at the end of the thing, having Kurt Russell, then, you know, wake up on an army destroyer right. and say, boy, that sure was weird. Dun, dun, dun.
2: Interestingly, this is based on a novel mm-hmm. and in that novel, um, the humans don't win. They find out that the pods awesome. are the pods, or maybe they do kind of, you know, in a diminished capacity. Sure. Um, but the pods only have the pod. People only have a lifespan of five years and then they have oh, to fly off repodify. and do something else. They have to repotify somewhere uh, else. People, so uh, I think that's an interesting that is thing interesting. that we don't see play out here. And it's almost it's a world of the world's kind of thing. Yeah. Like to an extent. Much. Yeah. 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 From that. Ravage, a, a, ravage of, the planet and move on. Well, you're thinking of Tom Cruise War of the Worlds in the original War of Lost. the Worlds, uh, they, they are, are succumb to bacteria, succumbed. right? They uh, got the cold. And we talked about the Andromeda strain
1: too. That also has like it's like these timed uh, sci-fi things, right? It's mm-hmm. like people survive because the strain mutates into something harmless, right? Or right. basically, it's, the it's aliens, yeah, the aliens the end, that are so overpowered. Um, eventually get sick or the zombies aren't actually zombies they're alive and eventually they starve right Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. all of those things are like here's here's why the entire population of the world didn't die right Mm -hmm.
3: right which is a kind of a realistic card to play in storytelling because many times that happens in real life you know you have something show up and it seems overwhelming and then all of a sudden we're like oh wait this is how you know this is the cure for the yellow fever or whatever it is. And I'm sure now people are going to tell me there's no cure for yellow fever and I'm an oh, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily work dramatically. And I think that by adding that ending, they've really not only given us a, a weird, more ambiguously weird and more ambiguously unsatisfying ending, they've kind of negated the horror, the real horror of that last <laughs> scene with Kevin on the highway. Cause that's, mm-hmm. That's, that's heavy stuff. That's right up there with Vincent Price saying, oh my God, the Tingler is in the room. Scream for mm-hmm. me. Yes. Here's, here's
0: how I would have wished the movie would have ended because I was watching with Aubrey and we both agreed that the horror factor would have been increased if all of the people that he'd been telling this whole two thing hold to yeah. were horror in Were people. Right. Yeah. So yeah. If, he, if he could have finished his story, right, he's there looking at him and talking to him. Okay. Okay. We just need you to calm down for a bit. Put some anesthesia on his face. He relaxes. Then they go, boom, we got him.
2: Credits. Or, or yes. the way they would have done it in 1956 is it's okay. Everything's okay. Yeah. We believe you. They set him down. He's like, "Oh, thank goodness, somebody believes me." And then they walk in carrying one of the pods. That's how they would have done it. yeah, sure. Right? That
1: probably would have been better. The way that I would have done it is, they're like, "Is like, no, you're crazy. This can't possibly be true." Um, and then they like they walk out of the room, close the door, and they're like, "He knows everything." He knows everything. <laughs> like, don't worry, he will fall asleep soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we yeah. will pod him. Pods.
0: Yeah, it just seems any. Anything where those people are actually right. the aliens
3: seemed better. Right. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I guess they are. Never mind. I had a stupid question that's actually answered by the film itself. Hooray! For subtext.
2: Oh. So wow. this so this is another of the Red Scare movies and often pointed to as one of the better versions of a Red Scare movie. Sure. Yeah. In that again. The, the creators are always like, well, no, we never intended that mm-hmm. or people are reading this far more into it. But this is a movie that came out during the House on American Activities Committee uh, mm-hmm. hearings where a lot of people in Hollywood were being called forward. A lot of big name stars. We've talked about the uh, John Wayne and uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart and, and Bogart. Bogart was obviously against it. Lord Bacall was against what they were doing, saying it's none of your business what our p- political affiliations were. And then these actors, actresses, writers uh, were. um were blacklisted Mm -hmm. and that means that they could not get work of any kind because your studio your TV station your uh, play whatever didn't want to be associated with a commie sympathizer communist sympathizer Um, and so this was a really bad time for a lot of a lot of people there's a good movie called uh, Guilty by Association I think is what it is it's got I think it's is that what the name of it is Guilt by Association somebody look that up I think is what the title of the movie is but it's basically looking at um, this Huac uh, committee and Hollywood's uh, what was going on in Hollywood. Now, some mm-hmm. people stood up against it. Uh, some people refused to answer the Senate, um, the committee on this, and they were held into contempt and 10 people were jailed on this. So you can just imagine that careers are being ruined mm-hmm. and some people out of them saying, yes, you're that person was a member of the communist party. I believe if you go back and look, Lucille Ball was at one point, a member of the Communist Party.
1: Life is good for Susan, her two children, and new boyfriend, Russell. But life abruptly changes when she discovers her perfect boyfriend is a drug dealer. Nope, that's
2: not it. Okay. <laughs> that's not it. I think it's got... Gosh dang it. I, I want to say... Where the frick is it? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, there's a really good movie, and I, maybe it's Al Pacino is in it, um, but it's a really good movie that, that takes a look of what was going on in Hollywood at the time mm-hmm. of this Red Scare, and one actor who gets... Or one producer who gets blacklisted uh, in this process. And uh, I it's odd that these things happen, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. I mean, we go and look and see some things today where someone will do something that people frown upon because it's not a societal norm and suddenly they are shunned and their career is over and those kinds of things happen and it takes them a long time to recover. This has been going on. For a very long time. In fact, there's a new uh, book by Sean Phillips and um, is it Greg Rucka that I reviewed a couple of weeks ago called the the Fade Out. Mm -hmm. And one of the characters, and one of the characters in that comic book, has been blacklisted Mm. and can't find work. And his friend is uh, they're collaborating on stuff, but he's slipping him money on the side so that he can he can (laughs) live during Mm -hmm. this time. So when you have a movie that's saying. Oh, my God, who are these? Who are these uh, non-emotional, non-believers in God, godless godless people? Um, They could be somebody that's right next door to you, or maybe one day they seem normal, but then the next day they've been corrupted by communism. Go turn them in as quickly as you can. Um, That really is an underlying message of what's going on in that time. and
0: And it really hits home. Especially towards the end, especially that last scene on the highway. Yep, yep. I said, Aubrey, okay, we watched this scene. Now, let me explain the context of this film and watch it again. And then she just like. Started laughing because it was like, so yeah. like, oh, oh, yeah, because
1: so he, yeah, he's literally looking at the <laughs> yeah. camera and saying it, which which uh, we saw to do as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the day the earth stood so still where he's like, I'm having this conversation with you, the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So Don Siegel, who's the director, says the political references to Senator McCarthy and the totalitarianism was inescapable. But I tried not to emphasize it because I feel the motion pictures are primarily to entertain and I didn't want to preach about this. About what was what Huac was was doing, and um, go ahead, Matthew.
3: The, themes are universal, and the fact that this movie was made at a time where that was happening, and it had that plot, that meant that theme was going to be there for not only the, you know the filmmakers to, in this case, avoid or try to downplay, but for the people to read into. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't avoid the themes of your work, and if you look at any you know any given creator. You're going to find those moments where something is interpreted uh, because of the world that it came out in. Had this movie come out in 1946, it you know it could have been any number of things. I don't well, know it if it would have been the same thing.
2: Uh, well, I don't know if this movie could have come out in 46. Um, if it did, That's it would true. certainly be it would it would be taken a, quite a bit differently because you know in Nazi Germany it was. Um, if somebody yeah. is going against the Nazi party, you better turn them in and report yeah. them. So Almost, if you've got that yeah. theme in an American movie, <laughs> it would have been seen as a yeah. as Nazi. Sympathetic. I mean, if, if, you,
1: if this uh, if this movie had come out during World War II, it would have been a, a Nazi movie in which it says like you
2: don't know who's a Jew, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's why you're a homosexual. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. any number yeah. of those. So you. you I think the time period is is rather telling. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. people forget that, that the Russians and the United States were on the same team yep. in World War Two. And oh, we absolutely. were fighting the Nazi Germany from both sides. Yep. And uh, we were in it together. And it was only afterwards when especially when um, and maybe we weren't buddy buddies, you know, slapping each other on the yeah. back and, and sharing drinks together. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. Sure. And certainly right. it started to fall apart as the uh, Nazi scientists were pilfered uh, by the russians um <laughs> where they were basically like oh no we don't know what happened to uh, those nazi uh, scientists who were doing uh, bomb research and rocket research i don't know where they went to our secret base in russia where it's called star city and doing space stuff Shh,
3: don't tell everybody oh
2: i am sorry i am bad communist um so of course of course uh, to to be
1: fair, the Americans were literally were doing, the doing the same. thing. Same thing. Yeah. Maybe, right. uh, maybe more on the up and up, but yes. they were still
3: doing the
2: same thing. Project
3: Paperclip was still secret. Just yes. remember that. Yeah, 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 no,
2: no, no. I'm not saying that we weren't doing that too, but right. Um, you know, suddenly after World War II and and as Korea uh, starts up, suddenly we are at war with the these Russians, and their mm-hmm. ideology is very different from what most most Americans would would understand. Um, it's real funny because uh, when you look at the phrase "one nation under God" in the Pledge of Allegiance, um, yeah. that was actually added mm-hmm. in the 1950s. Uh, yep. the The founding fathers would never have allowed anything like that in the yeah. allegiance because they didn't want anything to have any kind of a religious mm-hmm. connotation, but. As an affront to the the godless commies, Mm -hmm. that phrase was added in in the 1950s. I was looking for the actual uh, date of that. I want to say it was 55, 56, maybe 52. It was Um, definitely
3: Eisenhower era. uh,
2: 1948 is what it looks like. Uh, 1951, the Knights of Columbus uh, pledged their support. 1952, they wrote a letter. 53... It was suggested to add it in. I want to say it was 56. Oh, here we go. The phrase under God was incorporated into the Pledge of Allegiance in June 14th, 1954 by a joint Thank resolution God. of Congress amending the uh, flag code enacted in 1942. Yeah. So there you go.
3: And if you look at, I mean, there, there are a number of ways that you can take this. I find it interesting that the people are so very bland. There's kind of that, that Stepford thing. Well, that that's, how we you can, that's how you can say. tell
2: they're the bad people. Because but they're not they? loving. They don't have the love or the mm. twinkle in their eyes like but, the good American people.
3: But that's also the thing where in you know, in some ways, a lot of the things in the nineteen fifties always seem to be emphasizing how you go with the flow. How when these things happen, good people point out the bad people, sit back and watch as, you know, the machinery chews those people up, as we saw with the HUAC stuff. So it's, I mean, it, it's interesting to see that in play, and it is kind of a mixed metaphor. But no. if you look, most of the stuff that you and I grew up with about the 50s was actually written in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So my idea of the 70s is entirely, you know, Ritchie Cunningham and Hawkeye Pierce, which is actually a 70s perspective on that time period. So right. I don't know. Right, right. No.
2: You were going to say something, Rodrigo? Yeah,
1: what I... Interestingly, what I read into this movie that I think was entirely uh, not uh, not on purpose was that... um, I I mean, it basically stems from the fact that who are the people who immediately figure out that something is wrong? Women and children. Mm -hmm. And then they are immediately ignored by the dudes. Yeah.
2: Well...
3: You think that's really? Uh, no, I think that children are are children and women would be more emotional. I
1: I think I think here's the thing. I think our the the reason why I think is unintentional is because the 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 protagonist is a man, right? He's an adult right. man, right? right. So. You want to foreshadow that bad things are happening, but you think to yourself as a writer, how can I give him information that he's going to ignore? I know (laughs) I will have either a child or a woman say it. And that's why I think it's
2: unintentional to say that he's not he's not ignoring it. The first time when he when he uh, runs into the kid, he's like, oh, the kid's hysterical. Something's Mm -hmm. going on. But then when he goes and sees his um, girlfriend's or his love interest's uh, friend, where Mm -hmm. she's like my Mm -hmm. my." my uncle's not right. Then he starts listening. He's like, yeah, you're right. There is something there. And you start to see his paranoia. He goes and he talks to him. Right. And then he's like, nope, same guy. Right. Um, But then the paranoia starts to, starts to set in and he starts to, to listen and believe and starts to put things together. Paranoia starts to set in when a guy calls him.
1: And says there is a corpse, like an amorphous <laughs> corpse, in my house. Yeah, that's when he's like, "Oh, maybe all these crazy children and women were right."
2: Yeah. <laughs> the other thing too, though, is in hindsight, all those people that he was talking to, all the men who are like, "Oh, this crazy," they were already right uh, taken over. So they he already- being away from everyone from two weeks or longer mm-hmm. and coming back he probably would not have noticed it right away to begin with. And he's got trusted colleagues that sure. he listens to who seem normal enough to him and, and, and they're uh, dismissing it as well.
1: And again, it's but, a, it could be that the commentary is not entirely on the human side. It's on the pod side. It's like, cause again, as a writer, you're like, well, who would the pods take over? Mm-hmm. They would take over all the men first, leaving right. all the women and children to be like, what's going on. But it's,
2: but that's not the case here. They're taking over everyone. Simultaneously. But, That's right. But he does, but there he is does a,
3: make that point. I mean, Dr. Doctor Frassum actually says, I've seen people lose their humanity a little at a time and their mm-hmm. hearts grew callous. And this is my Kevin McCarthy. And again, this I'm is Jay Fletcher. Oh, sorry.
2: But this is again when Korea is going on and people coming back from the war, uh, World War Two or Korea or whatever, coming back changed mm-hmm. and losing their humanity in that sense. Another thing that you could look at this movie as is. Just be a conformist. okay. don't try to protest against the government. Government has things in order for you. Just go to sleep and just don't don't stir up trouble. You think
1: the movie's going against that?
2: There are a couple of there's a couple of ways that this has been interpreted. The first one is watch out for communists. Right. The other one is just go along with what your government tells you to do and just go to sleep and ignore some of these things that may be causing you concerns. Just go ahead and trust your government. That's the that's a second message that people have pointed to saying that this can be interpreted as that way as. So
1: so the movie is saying don't trust the government. Is that what you think? Is is that what that read is? It can be. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But I think that the that makes the added bit at the end even more suspect because, I mean, if you read into that and then you get to the end and immediately they're calling the government for support.
2: Yeah, to go help. Your mm-hmm. government is there to protect you. Just the government is good. The government is true. Don't question your government because they have your best interest in uh, out for you. Right? Don't we kind of hear that now a lot? Your government's working for no. you. Uh,
3: I'm uh not depends you there. listen to. <laughs> I'm not, you can't drag me into that one, mister.
2: So there are a couple of things also in this movie, and this kind of goes back to the book ended pieces um, that because people were laughing in certain parts of the movie, because there Mm. may have been some funny bits. Mm. I don't know. We haven't seen stuff that was taken out or seen things out of context or whatever. The studio was like, there should be no humor in this movie, which I find very odd that you can't have light moments in a movie like this. Well, I think you can, but
1: the the problem is that uh, it, they overcorrected,
2: right? Right. Yeah. And Siegel, Siegel says in an interview um, years after the movie had come out, he said that he pointed out that the studio's policy was not to mix humor with horror. True. And I think that's funny that we kind of see this come around again, especially with word that Warner Brothers has said in our superhero movies, our DC based movies, we will have no humor at all. And
1: oh, you see that that's that's because that's DC's policy on their superhero comics. <laughs> but it's interesting,
2: too, because I mean we see that when we look at a Marvel movie, for example, mm-hmm. that mixing drama and humor together works really well. I was <laughs> watching an interview with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, this past week on uh, what is it? The Judge Judges or whatever the movie is oh, yeah, that he like is, that. is doing with Robert Duvall. And they're both commenting on the use of humor in movies because in this movie, there are some. Light moments and there's some serious moments and uh, Robert Downey Jr. basically says I believe that in a drama movie you need to have at least thirty percent humor mm-hmm. mixed in throughout the movie to make to, it seem more real it, to so make that, it so that, you know, that it rises yeah and likewise in a comedy you need at least thirty percent drama mm-hmm. and so yeah. I think that there's something to that and Robert Duvall you know echoed that and was basically yes here's some examples of of this and so I to say that. Because life is complex. Right. Right. Sure. So we can't go through life running away from the monster, trying to get out of the house uh, from the monster. You can't just run your story that way. There has to be moments. And we see this all the time. And we see this. Indiana Jones is a perfect example. Right. Um, In Raiders of of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Are you done? In Raiders of the Lost Ark, they're driving the truck and they run into that water irrigation system and and Indiana Jones and the Nazi are punching the crap out of each other Mm -hmm. in the truck. And then they steer the truck and there's this one guy who lands on the front of the of the truck and just looks at them in surprise and then flies off. And Indy and the Nazi look at one another and they kind of laugh and they have this lighthearted moment. It's in the middle of an intense action sequence. Sure. But that little light moment brings something to the characters Mm -hmm. that are in there. So when you if you would have had. Uh, Kevin McCarthy and what's her name? Diana. Uh, Apple Bar- hands. Whatever the uh, the the uh, Dana Winter. Yes. Dana pretty face. Dana pretty face.
3: <laughs> oh, and she has one.
2: If you would have had them go through that entire movie without little nods and winks to some of this stuff inappropriate. I didn't catch it until oh, this yeah. time, but yeah. going to Reno is quickie divorce. That's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. When did you go to? I was in Reno three months ago. Oh, I was in Reno five months ago. They're talking about getting a divorce. <laughs> But there's this sly humor going on back and forth before the horror kicks into gear Right. Yeah. Um, that is totally appropriate because that's how people that's, go that's through their life. life. That's that's how life yeah, works. Yeah, they're flirting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Have I ever told you the story of how I first read World War Z? No. Okay. We're in a minivan driving to my mother's funeral. And my college roommate, Carl, says, hey, I have this great book that I want you to read. Now... Bear in mind, this is a movie about a worldwide zombie apocalypse. Hmm. He's handing me this as we're going to bury my mother. I laughed like a maniac for like five minutes about this. And it was one of those moments that was fascinating. It was wonderful. It was amazing. And I think I probably partly like that book because of that. But at the darkest points in your life, that's the point when you get loopy you want to have the 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 humor and i think that if you have a, a movie especially a movie like this without humor it makes the scary first of all melodramatic and over the top but it it makes you laugh at the scary or
2: at least it uh, it, it heightens that because one minute you're laughing and the next minute you're screaming right. It, right. it's the same kind of um uh, adrenaline um Pleasure centers getting fired in both cases. There are there are lots
1: of emotions that mm-hmm. an audience can experience and leaning too hard on one of them mm-hmm. can cause kind of a, a negative reaction. You you see it a lot. You know, some comedies aren't scary, but they're sad. Something sad mm-hmm. will happen mm-hmm. in the middle of it and mm-hmm. it just feels so much worse. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. because up until now we were everybody was laughing so hard um, yeah. in a in a movie that is super sad there might be a moment that is scary or a moment that is funny mm-hmm. and yeah, what that does is it kind of allow like it gives you this little break yeah. from everything that's happening and allows you to kind of synthesize everything without removing you from the narrative mm-hmm. if you don't have that a lot of the time in a fairly long movie although this movie is actually pretty yeah, short it's an hour and a half yeah. Yeah. A um if you don't have that then your audience will disconnect by themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you will get tired of the yeah, feeling the of dream. communist dread right. and just start doing something else
2: start thinking about other things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's interesting that we're seeing this cyclical kind of theme come up again no humor in these horror movies no humor no, in our back. in our this in is, our stuff that's something that go to has, sleep everybody that's something that has always existed a you a always person.
1: have um you know, you, uh, you had movies like your airplane or something like that, right? I mean, that movie is 150% jokes. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) They they only have the slightest plot possible. But that's a parody of disaster movies, though. And it's lots of fun still, though. It's it's that. I mean, it is a parody, but it is that. Um, And you have movies that are 100% drama and have zero funny moments. And that is actually, I would say, the norm. It is... Like, when you think about good movies, they have a good mix. When you Mm -hmm. think about so-so movies... They usually don't, and airplane is actually pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I think uh, there's lots of uh, there's lots of movies out there that um, they don't like. That that's actually a prevailing attitude. That attitude still exists because you had something like. Um, and uh, I haven't brought it up in the past five minutes on so American Werewolf in London, <laughs> which is a scary movie with a lot of humor. Mm. Right. And then you don't see a lot of that again, even though it's successful within the movie. Like you think people would jump on that formula. Mm-hmm. And we see only a few more examples of that until like 2000
2: whatever when Shaun of the Dead comes out. Like mm. there are well, almost in Well, in, no... in that horror genre. But I mean, yeah. we look at other movies, look at. Like I said, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, Karate so, Kid, so. all these movies have its drama, but it's also humor and yep. other emotions that play into it. Right. What I'm getting at is that it was a big deal then. It's suddenly become a big deal now. Right. The other thing that I find is and we're looking at cyclical patterns and, and again, maybe starting to see some seeds of uh, California's problems taking root in 1956. I see what you did there. What's that? Oh, people nah, is that nah. they wanted this story was supposed to take place in a, in a town called Mill Valley, California. There's an mm-hmm. actual place called Mill Valley and they wanted to go to shoot there. But they went there and something became too expensive to shoot in Mill Valley. So they had to go to uh, Glendale and Riverside and all these other places to shoot this movie to make it look like this setting in this um, in, in this Mill Valley uh, community. Mm hmm. What's your favorite TV show of of most recent years, Zach? Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. You know where that movie (laughs) was supposed to take place? Where? Or that TV show was supposed to take place? It was supposed to take place in Riverside, California. Hmm. You know why it doesn't take place in Riverside, California? Because it was a It was too expensive. They wanted to tax the crap out of any production that was there. And they're like, well, look, we can go over to to Phoenix. Yeah. And we can shoot this series there and save ourselves a crap ton of money. So, so long, California. We've seen this happen with movies as they're moving out of state, mm-hmm. they're moving out of uh, country, going to Canada and Australia yeah. and China mm-hmm. and all these different places to shoot because it's cheaper. And now California's sitting there going, Whoa, is me? Yeah. No one wants to shoot here. Why won't studios shoot here? It's because you got greedy mm-hmm. with your stuff and you drove up the cost of production to shoot in California. And this was a big deal for the last couple of years. The new governor is in place. And he created a czar of, and this has just been in the last, I wanna say six months, Mm -hmm. created a czar of. um, A film
1: czar. Film
2: czar, essentially. Basically looking for ways to decrease the cost Mm -hmm. of production in California to bring people back into the state. I mean, could Uh. you imagine in 1956 to say, hey, uh, instead of shooting here in California, why don't you go and shoot in uh, Texas? And say that it's California, or as we've seen in in TV shows like uh, CW's uh, Smallville, why don't you go shoot up in Alberta
1: and claim (laughs) that it's Kansas? It's it's amazing. It's amazing how many American cities (laughs) look just like Vancouver.
2: Yeah. So it's funny. I find it ironic that... California's complaining today about, oh, no one wants to shoot because we've driven it driven ourselves out of it. And yet you go and look at this, this story of yeah, it's the production process an and it's like, well, we can't shoot at Mill Valley. They want to charge us too much, so we'll, we'll go and somewhere it's, else.
1: It's that thing, right, where like uh, Hollywood is in California, right. mm-hmm. so they start shooting in California. Mm-hmm. And eventually the towns figure out that there's money to be made yeah, there, exactly. so they start charging for it. I mean, that's uh, if you can probably... It's like you can probably shoot something pretty cheap in any town in Kansas probably for oh my free gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. if you wanted to <laughs> yeah. you know i mean uh, i don't i don't know if paper moon absolutely needed it for the plot but i bet you a big part of the reason was that they probably charged them exactly 0 dollars. yeah they probably Two, charged them nothing to, yes to uh, shooting can i say
2: relatively nothing but yeah and that that is a big problem now, i don't have any pro- i don't have a problem with saying hey, this story takes place in Australia. Let's go shoot in Australia. Sure. Right. right. Uh, which is, you know, uh, this story takes place in Texas, well, John Ford. Let's go shoot in Utah. Well, and and I bet you that it's, for example, fairly expensive to shoot in
1: Chicago. I'm sure but it is. nobody shoots a movie in Chicago unless the movie either takes place in Chicago mm-hmm. or takes place in a fictional version of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, New York is the same way. It's incredibly it, just problematic logistically right. to shoot yeah. big stuff in, in uh, New York. Uh, so they have to go shoot at other places. But that's not because of greed. Chicago, you don't shoot in Chicago and you don't shoot in New York because people got greedy. California got greedy. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that
1: in some places are justified in charging a lot of money. It's sure. like Chicago knows that nobody's going to come shoot in Chicago anyway right. unless they, uh, they are tied yeah, somehow they to have, the city. Yeah, unless right? they so unless they have was like, like, okay. Pay us a bajillion dollars
2: and we'll we'll block you from the magnificent mile to Evanston and you can shoot whatever you want. Yeah. Well, and because they know that that's going to cause a lot of chaos and turmoil Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. their citizens. Whereas in California, it's like, oh, yeah, we used to charge a a nickel for our coffee. But now these Hollywood bigwigs are making all this money. Let's charge five hundred dollars for a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. and just we can keep the profit ourselves. It's, It's that kind of silliness. That I think caused California to get into the problem that it is now, and that it's desperately I, I trying think, to figure out how to draw production. And I'm not saying all production has left California, but they're desperately trying to get yeah, production I think, to come I think back.
1: The, I think the easiest way to do it is you just shoot in what used to be its forests that are now ash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just put a big tarp over all the ash <laughs> that used to be trees, and then yeah. you... You shoot on top of it. I forget, I forget what they're doing. Tarp. I think
2: some of the some of the things that they're doing, of course, is they're trying to um, have um, essentially waivers where they get a discount, you know, like a four million dollar discount if they shoot oh, here or sure. something like that. But that's not enough. Flim Springfield. No. I think they need to. Yeah, I think they need to just start giving more tax breaks and 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 really educating their community, saying we're screwing ourselves out of this deal. Yeah. I don't know. When we talk about cycles, again, I find it interesting that this movie, even though it's hailed as a great sci-fi movie, is still plagued with some of the same problems that plague Hollywood Mm -hmm. and movie productions Mm -hmm. today. So Mm -hmm. something to be aware of. Yeah, uh, go to California. What'd you uh, you take away from this movie?
0: Uh, You know, there's there's a couple film techniques that I, I, I kind of chuckled to myself about. The first one is when our protagonist goes into his greenhouse, because people have greenhouses. Right. And it's all, it's all, you know, the rest of the movie up to this point, it's been kind of medium shots, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty squared focus, and yeah. it's like, all of a sudden, greenhouse nah, Dutch angle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, shot shit, it's really super get low to the ground, yeah. yeah, like, oh no, here it comes. And then I started thinking of my favorite Film techniques to insinuate sex yeah. I think this one has my favorite uh, Two actors Going for a kiss A slow zoom in And then a fade Right, right. Fade to black and We fade up on a, a smoking A cigarette ashtray yeah, Like yeah, yeah buddy yeah. <laughs>
2: You faded over the best part well, because you can't.
0: Show well, all that I know, stuff. I know. He's
3: kind of my favorite. Tropy, things <laughs> yeah. pop up. Yeah.
0: yeah so
2: I, 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 I like that technique a lot. Zach,
3: the world was still black and white in nineteen fifty six. I know, man. I mean, right. Did
2: you get anything that you were going to uh, change in the way you approach productions? Is your next um, commercial spot going to feature pod people and? These conformists who go with the opposing company are dead and emotionalist drones. Not unless
0: this is the next property my, my company wants to uh, take influence from for our commercial campaign.
2: There's a difference between drawing influence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, sure. There's a difference between drawing influence from something that is quality and having some fun with it <laughs> yeah. as opposed to blatantly just ripping off one of the worst television shows of all time <laughs> yeah. and trying to, to gain customers in that sure. way.
0: Sure. Uh, one of my favorite what I felt the most like apprehensive or scared in the film is when a uh, man and woman I don't remember anyone's name from mm-hmm. this film, they're locked up in his doctor's mm-hmm. office and yeah. look at the window and everyone's about their business. Oh, it's a normal Saturday. It's kind of early, but you know it's a normal Saturday. Uh then all of a sudden everyone just kinda stops and just like starts converging. Yeah. Yeah on oh, yeah, this one like
3: oh, absolutely, oh, my God, absolutely. It's beautiful shot. Yeah. I love that. And then the trucks slowly mm-hmm. roll in. Oh, that's a gorgeous shot.
2: <laughs> there is a um now, this movie has been remade a couple of times. Uh, the one in the 1970s has uh, Do- Donald Sutherland and um, who's the other one that's in that? Oh, and Leonard Nimoy in that. Nimoy, yeah. It oh, becomes are, are, more they the, are they the romantic uh, no, interests? Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Donald Sutherland, it's called Hawkeye and Spock. Uh, the, and, uh, uh, they make out.
2: It, it's very fascinating to see because it becomes more of just straight out horror so, as yeah. opposed to anything with an underlying message. And the emotionalist, and the non-emotion in the actors really comes out in, in their mm-hmm. characters in that piece, which makes it really creepy. And then there's a scene because, you know, the pods can over, only overtake you when you sleep. Mm-hmm. There's this really creepy scene where um, this old bum sleeps with his dog and the dog. And then the, the pod person comes out and it's a dog with the old man's head. Oh no nice. it is creepy it comes running up and looking at the people what? and licking his lips and in this movie Um, It's the dog getting run over by the truck and you're not Mm. trying to show emotion in that movie that dog comes running up and they're trying not to show horror and disgust in their face to alert everyone around there. Mm. And then the creepy thing is when you've been spotted, they turn and look and open their mouths and point and just start screaming really loud. It is the it is the most creepiest thing in the world.
1: That's a a, a good example of the people uh, who were making that movie watching this movie and said, what were actually the creepiest parts Mm -hmm. and the creepiest parts? is that human behavior right mm-hmm. yeah. it's not necessarily the foam coming out of the pods it's right. not the pods themselves it's not the aliens themselves it's like when people act in concert as yes. like weird robots That mm-hmm. those are actually yes, the, the scariest parts mm-hmm. of yeah. the movie mm-hmm. which uh
0: they did a, uh, remade this movie again in like 2007-8 somewhere around there with the yeah. invasion of the cold kidman and I've seen bits and pieces of that Um and what I took away from it or the big difference was to me was they played up the don't react more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah. seemed to be played up a lot more from what I saw in the cold kidman thing, which kind of allowed them to go into like a more gore horror kind mm-hmm. of thing of like threatening lives and people's lives more, which we've yep. kind of seen like as we've progressed. Yeah. We yeah. see, especially in like late two thousands and stuff where that happens. And so I thought that was interesting.
1: Can I while well, I have you guys here, can I can one of you guys explain to me how the pods actually work? No.
0: I can't. It makes no sense to me. Because oh, what, oh, what's the other body oh, okay. for? Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out. I think I think that they actually might not make sense, but I wanted I didn't know if I missed something.
0: No, it doesn't make any sense. Um
2: so you, you, it's not really explained in the movie, but you know, the pod comes out, it basically clones your body and your emotions and the end the Somewhat They're, assumption is once you are completely taken over, your body your body disintegrates or goes away. And right. I think that in the 70s movie, they kind of played up on that a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, it was a
3: lot more solid in the 70s yeah, I think in the movie, 70s, you one, were
2: maybe drug into the pod or something. I don't remember how it was one in the 70s. does
3: have that sequence where they run and they find the body in the basement and then the body is gone.
2: Right. I
3: think the seed pods grow a new you and then like – Consume the old you, but yeah, yeah, it's not right. It's not made clear, and I think that maybe because of that's the what they kind
0: of say, but then they contradict it. The end right, right. when
2: when
3: she falls yeah.
0: asleep and she wakes up, it's like like what in the world did they the, the pod for her for because she just fell asleep and they just took over right. her mind. Right. They you, don't, over her body. you don't
2: know that there wasn't a pod nearby, right? <laughs> but we
0: saw her fall asleep
2: and right. then wake up as the same person. Like, uh, she yeah. fell asleep well, she was like wearing half the second. Same, She was wearing the same clothes. No, she's, he is yes. out running around. She's sitting there splashing water on her face and lays down. He goes and sees that they're loading up trucks with pods. He comes running back and is looking for her. And then she wakes up laying there. No, but but, if she's cloned. That is the that so, is the clone. The so we don't know what happened to the uh, other body. Okay,
0: As you're saying, but from the way I read the movie and from the sequence of events is she's fine as they're running away. And then they kind of stumble a little bit. And then she closes her eyes for
2: half of a second. And then she wakes up. And she's no, like, no, oh, no that's not how, that's not how it happened in the movie, though. That's not how it not? Happened. he was like, stay here. I'm gonna go so, run and check out this so, music. So,
1: so what you're saying is, he goes over there, she falls asleep and disintegrates. There was a pod nearby, there must have been a pod, and then nearby. she comes over. Yes, uh, I see. Yeah, that's ha- that, that had was. to be what happened. And the pods. Do we see the pods generate clothing?
2: No, no. Okay, and that's the other thing that we don't know, right? So who knows? Maybe your body disintegrates and the clone takes your. Take your stuff Take your eh, you know. maybe
3: the clones grow pants and they're all really naked they, they
2: could except here. for the body that they found early on who was naked so right I it, it mm-hmm. was it blind. was
1: confusing because it really seems like because then because then what happens what has to happen is she disintegrates and the clone comes over and now the clone is pretending to be normal right and then they fall over he kisses her and that's when yeah. he realizes that that's a problem
2: right Okay. Because she's so that, trying to she's trying to be normal, right? But when he kisses her, he realizes, oh wait, this is not the same, right? Uh, right. She tastes tastes a little bit too much like right. uh, uh, photosynthesis. Russell photosynthesis. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> you know, if my girlfriend she tastes like photosynthesis, like
2: photosynthesis. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> right. is right. Chlorophyll. I think, Chlorophyll. I,
3: there you go. I think my wife would be really mad. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I and mean, they really don't clearly explain the process, and I think that's part. Partly, let's make it scarier, and partly it's 1956. Partly, it's not, necessarily it's
2: not important to the story right, of, no. all of that. But like well, I said, the 70s version goes into a little bit more detail than that. Yeah,
3: sure. The 70s version has a really horrible, terrifying moment where you find a partially grown clone of somebody, and that's where it actually kicks in. And that's one of the things that my brain is kind of conflating the stories in my head, too. Yeah. So.
0: And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Zach on Film. This episode has been brought to you in part by the Major Spoilers VIP members around the world. Thank you for your support of Majorspoilers.com and the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you'd like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up today. Thank you in advance. And make sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com where you find this podcast posting page and give all of your thoughts about invasions of the Body Snatchers and all the themes and ideas we've talked about on this week's episode. While there, uh, click on that Amazon.com link and you can buy anything on your personal want list. It's not going to cost you any extra, but a little bit will come back to major spoilers and help keep this site going. So next week, we're going to continue this Sci-Fi Theme Month. And talk about Forbidden Planet on Zach On Film.